You're listening to Cannabis Health Radio. Here are your hosts, Ian Jessup and Corey Yelland. Welcome to another episode of Cannabis Health Radio. I'm Ian Jessup. And I'm Corey Yelland. Just a reminder to our listening audience that we're continuing our fundraising efforts here at Cannabis Health Radio to keep the podcast alive. If you'd like us to keep bringing these interviews to you, then consider making a pledge, either a one-time donation or a monthly contribution, which, by the way, can be as little as $3 a month. Go to the donate page on our website, CannabisHealthRadio.com, and help sustain us. We want to help as many people around the world have a better understanding of medical cannabis to help them or someone they care about. And if you'd like to advertise with us or sponsor our podcast, then send us an email at info at CannabisHealthRadio.com, and we'll connect with you. For those who have contributed so far, thank you. According to mainstream medicine, an autoimmune disease develops when your immune system, which defends your body against disease, decides to your healthy cells are foreign and attacks them. And depending on the type, an autoimmune disease can affect one of the many different types of body tissue. Now, if you remember, if you've listened to previous podcasts, Dr. Jeffrey Hergenrather, a former emergency room doctor for 25 years, who we interviewed in episode 58, says autoimmune diseases are simply a deficiency of the endocannabinoid system in the body. And joining us today is Michelle Berkey of New York State, whose husband had a rare autoimmune disease and passed last summer. And she's with us today to tell his story in the hope that it will help others. Michelle, good of you to do this. Thanks very much. Well, thank you for having me. Michelle, what was your husband's illness? He was diagnosed... In October, well, December of uh, 2014, with small cell lung cancer. But he kept feeling like he had concrete blocks weighing him down all over his body, and he was trying to continue to work. He was an electrician. The doctors couldn't figure out what that feeling was. They had no idea. Come to find out, it's a rare a rare form that only comes with small cell lung cancer, and it's called Lambert-Eaton myasthenia syndrome, which is like myasthenia gravis, where the neurotransmitters in your brain are attacking your muscles and the bad cells. So they put him on high, high doses of prednisone. They did IVIG, antibody replacements, all before he was ever diagnosed with it. And I presented it to what I had thought were all of his symptoms, presented my info that I found to them. And they agreed that that could be it, but he had to have further testing to confirm it. And sure enough, nerve conduction studies, EMGs all confirmed, yes, he had that. But it is so rare that not even one of his oncologists had ever seen it. Only 3% of patients with small cell lung cancer 
get this disease as well. I was reading about it, and the acronym is LEMS, L-E-M-S, yes. correct? Yeah, correct. And it says it's considered a neurological uh, neurologic disorder, and it has two forms. About half of people have a cancer, the majority mm-hmm. of whom have a small cell lung cancer, which mainly happens in people who smoke. The LEMS, correct. The LEMS usually starts after age 50. Mm-hmm. Is that, uh, does that ring a bell with you, with your husband? Yes. Yes, he was um, a forty-year smoker, and but and he was uh, fifty-six when he was diagnosed. So that's what initially took him to the doctor was the feeling of you know he couldn't lift his legs, and he was climbing up and down ladders. And this was a man that never got sick, never went to the doctor for anything. So we knew something was wrong. So he has he's diagnosed with with lung cancer, and uh, you researched it further to discover this neurologic disorder. Correct. And how how did he deal with it? He he really just he knew what triggered it, and hot showers would trigger an episode where he would be down for hours, not able to lift an arm, lift a leg. Um. The prednisone and the IVIGs were supposed to help. They were no help at all. That's when we learned um, more about the medicinal benefits of cannabis. And he thought, well, why not try it and see if it helps? What did he have to lose? (laughs) So what he did originally before we had learned about oil, um, he would just eat it straight, just like it was an apple or something. And sure enough, he would be, after a period of time, he would be able to move his legs. He would say, look, I can I can move, or I can lift my arm, or I can stand up. Well, when, yeah. you, when you said after a period of time, would this be simply hours later? Yeah, yeah, just however fast it digested in his body, I guess, and worked. Um mm-hmm. It would take, you know, within like an hour to two hours, he was able to move. I mean, and lift a glass of water or just basic everyday things. It's really troublesome to hear that because not to hear about the cannabis, but to hear about his disease because he has two problems. He has the lung cancer, but he also mm-hmm. has the autoimmune disease. And that's, Correct. that's a bit of a double whammy, isn't it? It really was, and he did not get into the neurologist until 10 months into all the treatments. So his immune system had already been wiped out even more by all the the chemo and the radiation. And had I known what I know now, I would not have let him go through all that. What was the chemo like for him? Terrible. Absolutely. They started with um, cisplatin and carboplatin, etoposide. I mean, extremely painful. He, he's, he would say that it felt like somebody was beating him with a baseball bat, oh, is how he described it. Wow. Yeah. Mm. So when they told him in April of this year that his tumor was shrinking which was wonderful, but he would need to continue 
on chemo until he passed. And we said, and he said, no, I won't do it. <laughs> it's not mm-hmm. the quality of life that I, I can put up with. You mean April of last year, 2016? April 2016, yes. Yeah. Yeah. And then in May, they did another CT scan, showed that the tumor had shrunk. Now, his tumor was only confined in one lung, never spread to any other organs. And only two lymph nodes were involved. So that was a miracle in itself um, because small cell is very aggressive. Aggressive, yes. And he fought for 19 months, but we that's why when we got the report that, you know, the tumor was shrinking, we thought, great, great. Well, what I didn't know at the time until after he passed that I guess the high doses of steroids prevent the um, oil from working properly. Mm, yes. I actually actually saw rick simpson uh video about it and i yeah. thought oh <laughs> so yeah it certainly impedes it and unfortunately a lot of brain cancer patients often are on steroids so it makes it just that much more difficult yeah it's it was almost like a double whammy he you know we tried we were doing good the tumor was shrinking but it just it was getting to the point where it was blocking his airway and once he ended up begging me to put him on hospice in the beginning of uh, July. And and then I was surprised they weren't, none of their nurses or caseworkers had heard of LEMS either. So they brought out a hospital bed, which, okay, he has lung cancer. You bring out a hospital bed. They tell you to sit him up. You know, raise the bed up so he can breathe. And they have an air mattress that, you know, is vinyl. So he's sliding down. Mm-hmm. And then they said, well, we'll bring a trapeze out for him. It's like, what don't you understand? He can't use muscles. He can't. Yeah. So it, it's just a, I'm determined to educate as many people as I can, whether it's just wrong. Terrible. Well, he was dealt uh, uh, a, a tough card with this uh, limbs because, as you've mentioned, it's even the medical profession. It is so rare that people uh, in the medical profession are uh, unaware of it, and quite yes. frankly, don't know how to deal with it. No, they don't, and they they just know that it's something to do with the immune system, and treat it from there. But that's what I was saying. The oncology people hadn't even looked into maybe what it was. They just assumed, oh, it's his immune system and and just treated him with the IVIGs, which did nothing. The IVIG, can you explain what that is? It's basically like a – I'm not going to get it correct 100%, but something about the antibodies, it's giving you – um, certain type of antibodies to help rebuild your immune system, I guess. Mm-hmm. I, I can't explain it. It's very difficult. <laughs> they just didn't do what they were supposed to. And I've, I've heard other patients say the same thing. Yeah, it sounds like a supplementary medication in order to stimulate the immune system so it will not attack uh, healthy cells. 
Correct. Is somewhere right? along that line. Somewhere yes. along that line. Yes, we won't get into the uh, the medical. So your husband. When did he realize that um, the end was near for him? It was towards the end of June. Yeah, uh, he kept telling me I'm dying, and I said, "No, you're not." Um, but he knew. He knew, and he had stopped the oil. He just said, I don't want to take it anymore. I know I'm dying. And I said, no, we're going to fight. You know, I, I mm-hmm. was continuing. I wasn't giving up. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but he knew towards the end of June, and he was only on hospice one week and passed. Yeah, he probably intuitively just gave up because of the, because of the pain, discomfort, and what was yeah. happening with him. Yeah, I, I do feel that's what he did he had because he was like i said he was a never a sick person he was very strong you know did the only thing that really bothers me about him being a smoker yes i understand that could be it but it was they would not look into any other possibilities of what triggered this because he was a smoker not to mention that he'd been around asbestos for years or at the time when he got sick, he was working in an old penicillin room at Bristol-Myers Squibb. So almost like there it, was this predisposed uh, prejudice towards him. It, exactly, Corey. Yeah, wow. And and that's what shows on his death certificate. And it just infuriates me that they don't that they didn't hold lo- other options. Yeah, that they didn't look at any further. Yeah. Yeah. What does it say on his death certificate? Um, died from small cell lung cancer uh, due to smoking. Nothing about, Nothing about the autoimmune disease? I don't believe so, no. I'd have to look to be sure, yeah. but I don't remember. No, because it does say small cell lung cancer with extensive stage. But to me, that bothered me, too, because... He did not have extensive stage. It was confined in the one lung. And the doctor who signed off on the death certificate, he had never even seen him. Interesting. Yeah, so I I just, I don't want to let this drop. You know, I, I just feel like there's a lot of, there's so many things that can be done for patients. And and I'm, I'd love to be a patient advocate. That's what I'm. my goal is right now. <laughs> what do you want to do, Michelle? You want to become a, a patient advocate for people with this particular rare form of, of um, neuro, neurologic it, disorder or just people generally? Just people in general because, for example, my husband, you know, knew nothing of the medical field. And I'm not, I'm not a clinician or anything, but I've worked in it for 30 years. And so when they would talk to him, you know, in medical terminology, every word he would look at me and go, what is that? What is that? The, the fact that people don't understand the, the healthcare field and these doctors, you know, are just shoving this information down their throat and the patients don't understand and, and we're taught to trust in that doctor. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's like... People are just being, okay, I have to do what the doctor says. 
And I guess it's just, it's one of those fights we're always going to have here in the United States. <laughs> as far as other things besides chemo or radiation. Well, I don't think it's any different in, in uh, Canada than it is the United States. No. It's the same no. here. I think what the, what the problem is, is the, and this is just an, a generality, but we mm-hmm. tend to put our faith in authority figures without, yes. without doing any research ourselves. And the people that Corey and I have talked to in over the... 65 interviews we've done on medical cannabis. Corey, we have seen some absolutely incredible stories, heard some incredible stories of people who have reversed very, very serious life-threatening illnesses. Yes, we have. Yes. Yeah. By using by using cannabis oil. Yeah, absolutely. Right. And it doesn't fit into the medical paradigm at the moment, and it doesn't fit into big pharma's uh, medical paradigm. Right. And people tell us over and over and over again that they've used the pharmaceutical medications, they did nothing, they may have helped the symptoms, but they didn't, um, they weren't a cure. It wasn't right. a cure, and they certainly didn't have a quality of life, many of them, when they were on these pharmaceuticals. Yes, exactly. I mean, look at your... The pharmaceuticals are worse for the patient, I believe. <laughs> look at your husband with, uh, with the chemotherapy. He said he felt like someone was beating him with a baseball bat. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it, yeah it, it, it really was. I, it, it, just, just to... I didn't want him to go through it anymore, and I was glad that he had said no more. You know, because uh, it it's just too painful to watch them and to know what they're suffering. Michelle, and when he go ahead, no, you go ahead. Keep well. It just the difference in when we started making our own oil, he was able to cut back on his oxycodone and oxycontin because he would feel better from the oil. Do you ever wonder if things might have been different if he had forgone the chemotherapy and just started on the oil sooner? Oh, I think so. Truly do. But we were not aware of it at the time when we found out. And that is part of the reason that we do this show. A huge part of the reason we do this show is to try and get the word out there so that when people do get devastating news about their health, they can have another option besides pharmaceuticals. Exactly. And I think it's wonderful what you both are doing. And Corey, you were, uh, Michelle, just before we uh, we gave you a call, Corey was on her Facebook page with a young person who had leukemia. Leukemia. And I opened my page, and the first thing I saw is that this child is cancer-free. And this child was on death's door, and I do mean death's door. Wow. With leukemia. And, yeah, I'm actually quite emotional about this one right now. It's like, wow, we did it. Yay. Yay. (laughs) Right. Now, Michelle, you're part of an online group for LEMS, this rare autoimmune disease. Are you aware of any members having tried medical cannabis? No, I am not. Um, I just recently joined that group. So I've just kind of been trying to feel them out first before I say, because I've had so many people block, oh, no, oh, no, 
not going there. Yeah. No, they're just they, they still have this the stigma. Yeah, it's tough to overcome, isn't it? And I don't have any answer for that. I think yeah. I think one of the problems with uh, medical cannabis is the stoner mentality that people right. people assume. And uh, it's very much like the alcohol industry. If you had a winery, you could make wonderful wine. But would you promote the wine as something you could do just to get drunk? Right. No. No, no, no. you wouldn't. No. Right? <laughs> no. <laughs> but it's with, with the, the stoner mentality, I think it's doing a disservice to medical cannabis. If people want to smoke cannabis and get high, fine. Go ahead. Do it. But there are other aspects to this amazing plant that can help people with their health. After all, it's been used for thousands of years. It's only in the last 80 years that it's been outlawed uh, in many, I guess, in most jurisdictions around the world. And that's starting to that's starting to change. But it has been used for thousands of years for various ailments and with no problems. Nobody has died from it. Yet somehow yes. the stigma is still there that you're going to end up a crazed drug addict by trying medical cannabis or cannabis generally. And let's not right. forget about going to hell for it, too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. That's right. Yeah. 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 Right. Michelle, do you yeah. – I mean, this may be – you don't have to answer this, but do you use uh, medical cannabis for uh, health benefits? I do. Yeah. I'm a diabetic – I have a compromised immune system because I only have part of my pancreas, no spleen. Um, Had quite a bit of issues with past prescriptions. I've had thyroid cancer. So, yes, I do. (laughs) You only have part of your pancreas? Yes, I had uh, a tumor on it, so they had to remove the tail end of it. So, for that reason, I'm diabetic high blood pressure, all the above that comes with any kind of huge surgery like that. Yeah. And how do you feel uh, pre-cannabis oil before you started taking it? And how do you feel now? I actually feel very, very good about it. Um, I know I rest better. I don't take it during the day. Um, I also give it to my son who in 1999, suffered a traumatic brain injury and almost died. Uh, so he he really gets a lot of benefits from him because he has high anxiety, kind of like a PTSD type issues. I mean, he he's deaf in one ear, but this the oil has helped him as far as his emotions and his anxiety and all the things that come with traumatic brain injury. Was he on uh, medication, or is he on medication? No, he is not any longer. He used to take Neurontin, Neurontin for mm-hmm. uh, oh, that about five familiar. years. Yeah, okay. it's an anti-seizure medicine, and he was on that for a while. But, nope, they cleared him, and he they say he's good to go. How's this working for your diabetes? I'm just really starting to track it more. I, I, I'm not one of those good checkers like I should be, <laughs> <laughs> you know, getting into the habit. I mean, my husband was my main focus for 19 months, so it's like, 
now I have to find me and, and take care of me. So I'm trying to get better at tracking how, how things are affecting me. And that's one of them. Yeah, I've known of several people that have been able to get off of their uh, insulin or cut back significantly on medication with diabetes once they start doing the oil. So important to monitor that. Yeah, I really need to because I'm on three, three, two different insulins and three pills. Well, you got to so, get off that. Yeah, keep yeah, an eye on that. That's my goal. Come on, Michelle. <laughs> that's my goal. <laughs> How do you do? You make your own oil? Yes. And yes, I do. Tell us about that process. First time we did it, um, my husband was there to help me, and we just followed it step by step, like on Rick Simpson's video. And we used the um, rice cooker to to get it down. Uh, obviously, I don't have it tested because of the the laws here, but um, that's the best I can do. <laughs> Were you, like uh, Corey, afraid that you might blow the place up? Oh, yes. My husband was paranoid. <laughs> Me too. Oh, my goodness. He, Yeah, we did it in the garage last winter with fans going. With, and We did it one day before he was admitted for pneumonia. So it was oh, like he was, yeah, it was quite the ordeal. But he, he was very cautious. We had a fire extinguisher we had everything set up <laughs> yeah it's, it's about being safe you know making sure you've got ventilation proper ventilation you know you don't certainly don't do it inside you have to right. try and have out have it out in the open and obviously you don't want to be having a cigarette or make sure nothing sparks and right. it's common you know a lot of it is common sense and um if you just pay attention and do it exactly how it says you can be pretty successful i mean when i did this there were no Facebook pages or anybody to turn to to find out how to do it. And um, I'm sure that I didn't have the best quality oil by a country mile, but I'm cancer-free and here today. So, Yeah. Yep. Apparently it worked and you had the right kind. <laughs> <laughs> so, Michelle, is your uh, legacy to your husband to help other people through their various ailments using cannabis oil? Yes. Yeah. Yes, it is. That's my my mission. I feel like it's my passion right now. Yeah, good for you. It, it, it just to see the difference in him. I wish I had a video of him prior to taking anything. <laughs> I do have videos of him after he took it when he'd get up and walk around. And he would always be so proud, like, look, I can do this or look, I can move my legs. You know, that was an excitement for him. So, yes, it is my mission. And he, the one thing he asked me to promise him is that I would never have any kind of chemo or radiation. And I promised I never would. Well, that speaks volumes, doesn't it? Yeah, it does for for him, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The- Michelle, do you have a way for people to contact you who would, you know, maybe want to get some support or, you know, that have have in common um, what your husband had? Can they go to you? They your- can con- contact me just via Facebook. Um, I am friends with you, Corey. Right. Um, but right now, I was going to set up like a separate group type deal, but I have not done that yet. Okay. So- Trying to do it all type, you know, 
correctly. Correctly, right. <laughs> so can you just spell your name for people who are listening so they know who to punch in on Facebook? Sure. It's Michelle, M-I-C-H-E-L-L-E. The last name is Berkey, B-E-R-K-E-Y. Just Thank send you. me a message. Yeah. Perfect. In Syracuse, New York. Correct. Excellent. Michelle, it was very good of you to do this. We appreciate it. And uh, your husband would be proud of you. Well, I'm I'm going to get the word out there one way or another, and he knows it, and he's helping me. <laughs> Great. Thank you so much, Michelle. Thanks, Michelle. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. And that's it, another edition of Cannabis Health Radio. Wherever you are in the world, thanks very much for listening. You've been listening to the Cannabis Health Radio podcast. Visit our website, CannabisHealthRadio.com, and follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to PodConnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Infused, a cannabis talk show, is a -a one-of-a-kind look inside the cannabis industry. Meet the amazing people who make cannabis businesses bloom as they join host Nick with Francesca and Mike for creative cannabis conversations. Get an honest look at the business of cannabis, including trends, best and worst practices, products, education, and advocacy. Whether you're kind of curious or running a cannabis, Infused has can of conversations that count. Infused is available on YouTube and is now streaming as part of the PodConnects network.